Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 319. Things aren't getting any less strange, are they, guys? Um, thank you for tuning in. I hope you're all well and all good. Um, back to regular programming this week, rather than last week's special edition. Um, there will be, just so you know, there's going to be more unusual episodes in this period. But as I mentioned last week, I've got a few... I've got a few recorded, and today is one of them. I had a wonderful chat just before the world fell apart with Leanne Le Havis. Um, I've been meaning to get her on for a while, and yeah, I was delighted to finally make it happen, because we've met a few times over the years, but never really sat down and chat, and it felt like catching up with an old pal. She's such a wonderful, I don't want to sound all hippie and say she's got a wonderful vibe about her or a wonderful aura, but she really has. It just felt... So I felt warm and, and positive after this conversation. We talk about a lot of stuff, including where she's been in recent years, her feelings about returning, and her new, her new, her new material, which is swiftly on its way. And I'm sure you're all gasping f- for new material. So I'll get on with the podcast. Before I do, again, this is the point I normally plug the web store and plug my Patreon, but go and support like. Uh, as I said last week, I've had a good year already on 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 the web store f- front. I released some limited vinyls and stuff like that. Vinyls, vinyl, apologies, um, and stuff like that. So go on your social media, look at who you're following. You know, there's bands who've had to cancel tours. There's all sorts of performers who are independent contractors or self-employed or whatever you want to call it, and they're all going to be... St- struggling right now so if they've got merch go and buy their merch if they've got patreons go and get on their patreon and the other thing i wanted to say as well obviously a lot of you guys are struggling so all the more reason for for me not to be hounding you for your money but something i would suggest is if you're enjoying podcasts in this in this time and I'd, i'd recommend you do you know we're all adjusting to this lockdown nation that we're in and at at time of recording (laughs) we're all encouraged to have one walk or jog or whatever a day and I really recommend you do that because it's good for your health and your mental health and one way I think is good to do that is rack up a podcast sling sling some headphones on and go for a nice 30 minute 60 minute 90 minute walk keep your social distancing keep two meters apart from people but yeah have a podcast to to listen to if you're short on podcasts feel free to hit up my back catalog but also pod bible podcast is there to recommend other podcasts but i think a lot of as i touched upon last week a lot of podcasters were expecting a boom in this period and they haven't seen it because the fact is a lot of people listen to podcasts on their daily commute and at the gym and these are the things that are gone f- from their their lives so podcasters apparently have generally seen a dip um a drop in listens and that's where a lot of them earn their income and have s- at least part of their revenue coming in from so one thing i would say is if you want to help podcasters out even if it's a podcast that you listen to regularly or whatever let the adverts play um that sounds weird but a lot of people don't, don't realize that podcasters generally only get paid if the advert that's in the podcast gets listened to 
it's all tracked because with Acast and with a lot of the iTunes ones, a lot of different places that drop adverts in, they are exactly that. They're dropped in. So the programs can, t- can tell if they've been skipped, essentially. They're normally 30 seconds, 60 seconds, even 90 seconds. But that's something that you can do to help podcasters out that isn't going to cost you a thing. It's not hard. It's a tiny, tiny little bit to get through and listen to. So, uh, yeah, if you've skipped the adverts on this already, <laughs> go back and listen to them. And in general, uh, on on your podcast listening, try and do that. And as I said, I really recommend a podcast a day as, as, as self-serving as that sounds, even if it isn't my podcast, if it will get you out of the house and get you to have a bit of a walk. Because, yeah... M- Mental health is going to be one of the things that people struggle with in this in this strange period for our nation and, and around the world. So making sure you're getting out and getting some fresh air. We're lucky that the weather's lovely at the moment. So get out in that in that, that fresh air. Take all the precautions that you need. When you get home, regardless of whether you've, you know, hopefully stuck to your social distancing, give your hands a good wash, clean up, you know, all that kind of thing. But um yeah. Um, is there anything else I need to tell you? Oh, there's a new Podbible magazine. Oh, two things, actually. N- new Podbible magazine comes out on Sunday. Boy, are we glad that we did a deal to have 40,000 of those distributed in the, the Sunday Times. Because previously, we stood outside train stations handing hand a few thousand out. That would obviously be down the drain. But 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 it means that you can get Podbibles. They, they're going to be in, a, in select areas in the Sunday time. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but you can also read them online. And again, I think reading is something that's going to be good for your mind in this period. Again, it sounds self-serving, but if you're spending all your time watching box sets, streaming stuff, playing games or whatever else, I, again, I think all of that is important. I think we should be taking some element of leisure in this period. It's in, I, I hope that, that this period is a lesson in how we don't have to work 24-7 to feel that we are valued and a, a valuable part of society. There should be a balance. But yeah, I think mixing it up with some reading is good too. So podbiblemag.com is where you can read the new episode or all the back issues and the new issues and the blog of Pod Bible magazine. Um, and you can order physical copies. So you could go on a 30-minute walk listening to a podcast, sit down, as long as you're keeping your distance and that and read a magazine for a bit the pod bible magazine and then 30 minute walk back listening to a podcast so i mean this sounds incredibly self-serving but i'm not asking for any money off anyone (laughs) let's go back to the point where i've said don't go to my merch store in this period go and support others um and the other thing i need to tell you is the brand new podcast on the network is mum and mama pod the original first episode was going to be a general episode about surprising things that Amy and Harry learn as single parents and su- surprising positives, things that they were worried about that weren't an issue or things that, that that were a positive that they weren't expecting. But they switched that up and recorded an emergency how not to kill your children during uh, social lockdown. Uh, lockdown government lockdowns social distancing isolation all that kind of thing so they've launched this past sunday with that episode and it's fantastic uh they're they're very amusing if you've got kids or not it's wonderful but but even more so if you've got kids 
But yeah, and then next week will be what was originally episode one, and then they will be continuing on every Sunday. Mum and Mama, they're on social media, so give them a follow. They will really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, any parents who are dealing with children at home 24-7, having to do homeschooling, having to watch that Joe Wicks lad doing his exercises, some mums and dads may be seeing that as an absolute highlight. Um, he's a well put together g- 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 gentleman, so fair play. But yeah, Mama Mama Pod is out now. Um, yeah, let's get on with this episode. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 319 with Leanne Lavis. I've done very little uh, talking about this record at the moment, so wherever you do go, it's all new. It's all new. It's kind of what I'm excited about. I should say I'm here with Leanne Alahavis. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to have this chat because as you kind of touched upon, it's all quite new and quite fresh and it's after, you know, a a A fair gap, a while and... It sounds weird, but I'm always really excited when artists take a bit of time yeah. for a record. Because I think it's so easy That's to become good. part Lucky. of the machine and just churn out his, oh, we need it out for the next tour or next festival season or whatever else. But yeah. it's kind of the obvious thing that everyone s- says is your first album, you've got your whole life's experiences. Mm-hmm. And then your second album, you're, you're following up and things like that. And how long do you need to go off and live to have a new album to talk about? That's the thing. It depends what your album is to you. For yeah. me, this one, it ended up, it had to be a whole piece. So yeah. it had to have a sort of narrative and and be a single thing rather yeah. than just a collection of stuff. Yeah. And it turns out that I need five years to do that. So. It's interesting because all of these things feel like they're... N- probably not consciously, but in ways rallying against the kind of changes in the music industry yes. since you started. Because, again, there has yes. become this disposableness or just we'll put a single out because it's here mm-hmm. and then we'll put another single out and then at some point we might release it as an album, but that might yeah. not even happen. So to take the time to craft a record, a yeah. collection of songs that their order is intentional, and it, it yeah. sounds like that. It, it, it builds up. There is a real softness and delicateness and intimacy in the first few tracks and then it builds up more you've kind heard of it rousing i have yes you've heard I've it listened. cool okay so, yeah yeah so it's, it's kind of exciting to have that was that important to you then i guess to well yeah i mean i always knew i wanted to make an album but i did along the way i did want to do the thing i wanted to just put stuff out as mm. i did it i wanted to, i was like i'm inspired to do it now why can't i just do it now yeah um, and I was kind of, there was a little pushback on that, um, yeah. just saying, well, why don't you write a bit more, you know, see how it goes. And then actually I'm glad because yeah. the thing that I ended up doing was pretty much exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So, yeah. It's perfect. It's really weird because particularly in the music industry and particularly now, it's really kind of cool to sh- shit on labels at times to kind of say we can do it all ourselves as artists to be independent and all this kind of thing but 
It's think, very hard to, yeah, but you can. You can, that. but if things go wrong, it's easy to blame a label, but we rarely give credit when things go right because of a label. Because the fact is, exactly. like, when I was on, on Sunday Best, there was so much that they did that it's because they've got years and years of experience of doing this. Yeah, I can upload stuff to iTunes myself now, put it out on socials. Yeah. But there is... At the good labels, if you've got a good team, there are these people who've got that experience who might say, mm. hold off a second, yeah. Leanne, like, let's, let's get a bit more together so we know what we're presenting p- people with yeah. and, and take it from there. So, yeah, has that been n- nice to kind of see, all right, they're, they're adding value here, I guess? It, you know what was actually nice is that they trusted me to yeah. just go off and do it. Yeah. Yeah, because there was, you know, with my last albums, obviously I had a lot of creative control, yeah. um, but far less than this one. Yeah, and I've, you know, to be able to sit in the mastering studio and master my own thing, I've never Wicked. done that before. Wow! You know? So yeah. it was, it was amazing to have the belief from my label yeah. that I, you know, that I've done enough now to be able to to take it from embryonic to mastered yeah myself and how does that make you feel about it as a piece of work now because sometimes when you're that involved yeah. you, it's kind of becomes even scarier when you're releasing it because you're like i can't Mate. tell what this is anymore literally... like if it's just a song and you're playing it in a pub you're like i know this song it's great yeah if you've heard every snare on that song and nerded out or got obsessed over the smallest things mm-hmm. it can be so tough to go well I know it's finished. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is or how it is or anything like that because you're so you've gone so far into the minutia. Yeah, it's it's really it's insane. Like yeah. I was dreaming about mixes <laughs> at yeah, one yeah. point, and just like yeah, I, I feel like the finishing was probably the hardest bit. Yeah, because you're like oh, you suddenly get conscious that that is the only t- you know that's the final thing that's you know you, you've got no more chances to change it after that so yeah but now i you know i i mean i always loved it throughout the process but now that it's done i love it for all of its faults as well and yeah. all of its mistakes and that i felt like stepping back from it for a second just before the mastering was a good call because yeah. then i could hear it again with somewhat fresh ears and use my feeling of listened, listening to it instead of listening with a technical ear. Yeah. So. Do you yeah. look back on previous records much, like outside of performing mm. songs live, your previous recordings? Because I, I find it fascinating that so much of the artist's relationship mm-hmm. with an album tends to be before what most people would perceive as the album yeah. coming to life you live with it for so long and then you put it out and often obviously you tour and you play the songs but for for me at least I don't necessarily consciously go back and listen to my records much so Mm -hmm. the life it takes on with your fan base who from the release date will be listening to it constantly and listening Mm -hmm. over years and years is very different from the life that you had with the album yes so is that is that something that you've had previously or something that you're aware of does it feel like the album's about to begin or does it feel like for you it's finally ending yeah. and, for the, and for everyone else it's about to begin yeah I when I first started I thought that I'd be listening to my stuff way more yeah but it's as soon as it's done I'm like cool I don't need to listen anymore yeah because there's nothing it's done you yeah. know 
It's like I can appreciate it if it comes on or someone else is playing it in my presence. But yeah. it's, yeah, for me, it's done now. Yeah. It's, and I'm on to the next thing, so. I, I love that. It's, it, it, it was interesting because when you'd kind of said how the nerves of putting a full stop on it and it being f- finished, because mm. obviously I assume you plan to tour this record you absolutely know, it, it, it takes its own life then right because then yeah. the songs like there's so many then I've it's had, different yeah. that, that's it i've had before a song of mine come on the radio and despite the awkwardness of hearing it i'm weird with hearing myself the the, the 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 surprising bit has often been oh is that how that goes because yeah. by the end of two years of touring that song that's not how that goes exactly <laughs> it's, it's changed like, oh, slight yeah. bits in the flow have changed that's so much i was meant to play yeah <laughs> Yeah. So it's interesting. So are you kind of excited about the n- n- next life of the record, of you living with it on tour and living with it on the road and, yeah. and taking it on? Yeah, I'm well excited about that bit. And what's the I've plan with live? dying to just play live yeah. Yeah. now. And let people hear it. Yeah, but also it lets me enjoy it in a different way because mm. pl- recording it is one thing and a lot of my songs have been recorded not at the same time, you know, not yeah. guitar and voice at the same time. One of them, right. though, one of them was um, all the band and singing at once, Yeah, which I was very excited about. Yeah. But most of it is like, oh, I'll come up with an idea and then that'll exist for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll finally think of a melody <laughs> yeah. and then I'll have lyrics. So it evolves in stages. And then when you get to the actual show... Then I, it's a whole other experience for me because I'm playing it and singing it, and it's like this I'm synchronizing with myself or something. Yeah. So it's like a whole other thing. And then the band is also playing to me and my energy, and we're all playing off of each other. It's totally different and very exciting. It, it really is different. Like people outside of touring, and some, some people who do tour, I guess, kind of will often say, Oh, how do you find the excitement and energy to, to play the same songs over and over again every night. But it's a different crowd every night. It's and I genuinely think that's night. a different interaction. Every single show You forget it's different. not about the song. It's about the receiving of the song, what you get back yes. as you're performing it. It's such a... I yes. think it's why live is the one thing that doesn't seem to be affected by exactly. the ups and downs of economy or all sorts of things because it's such a unique experience to be exactly. in that room and, and have that. So... so have you always enjoyed that i guess have you always enjoyed that interaction with whether it be a room or a stadium or 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 or, or a hall or whatever else of of people hearing um yes in 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 short yes there are obviously times when i don't enjoy it as much when maybe i'm a bit overly nervous or feeling too vulnerable or self-conscious but that's luckily quite rare for me yeah yeah um I've I've done hundreds of shows at this point yeah. and in my career and I and I, it's always always been different every time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... you know even the way you feel on the day is yeah. different so you might play it slightly different and sing it slightly different or mean it differently or think of a different you know you'll be in a different headspace. Yeah. Um according to where you are and you know what Completely. you are at that point in it's, your life. It's, it's so. one of the most overlooked things in the fact that... It's fascinating. You write a song and it will mean something completely different to you, the audience yes. or a particular person than it did to you when you wrote it. Mm-hmm. But people forget that a year into playing it, it could mean something completely different to you... Completely. ...than to what you meant at the time of writing it. It's those things that it's still accessing those emotions and those moments, but now there's a new 
situation in your life or issue or struggle or passion that it suddenly means it brings it all to life. Yeah, exactly. It's a strange one. Um, So where are you at with the balance of excitement and trepidation of playing (laughs) live? Because it does feel like a really personal record. It feels really, as said, particularly as it starts and that first half feels really intimate and laid out bare. Have you sat with the record enough that you're excitedly detached from it? from a performance wise or is is it that nerves of kind of going out and performing these new um emotions i guess live i had a small tour mini tour um last year yeah. around my birthday yeah. and that was the first time i was playing a few of them a few of the new songs and i noticed i i felt very i felt different when i was performing them mm. And it wasn't in the same way as when I was performing new material from the last time stuff was new for me. It was more that it's mine. It felt like it's definitely mine this time. So, I don't know, I feel like that's the whole thing, is that I'm vulnerable and that's it. And so this, this time I was just rehearsing a few weeks ago and I really felt that, you know. I felt like, oh, this... This is all my stuff. <laughs> I know yeah. it seems strange no, no. to say because of having always done my own stuff, but this really is personal and it is like a whole like intimate portrayal of my feelings yeah. in exactly the way that they came out. Yeah. So it's like reliving it every time I sing the new stuff. Yeah. So I was, I was worried about that <laughs> initially. I was like, oh no, what if I start crying or something when yeah. I'm when I'm doing it but then I thought well if I start crying that's just part of it that's exactly that it's, what it, art is you know it, can it be evokes really, pain sometimes yeah it can be a really exciting part of it and, mm. and, and thing because it's that vulnerability and that those emotions but you are in control of it yeah. you are choosing that tonight I'm gonna tap yeah. into these emotions and I think we're so scared in society of any emotion that isn't isn't happiness we're yes. so sold on, it has to be happiness. Exactly. Happiness is the one. Yes. Everything else is scary and a failure. Yeah. And it's not. It's not. That's not the reality of us as, as humans. So yeah. to get to access those different emotions live, I always remember on my last tour, we had a mm-hmm. song on off the new record and it freaked me out a couple of times because it was the first song I ever st- stuttered on live. And I've got really? a stutter, but I've never started, weren't performing. And this one yeah. song, every now and then I'd stutter on certain bits of it and it, yeah. spun me out at first I'm yeah. like what's going on but I realised it's because I, in the moment I believed the story I was, was telling so much that it felt so vulnerable and personal yes. so I then revelled in that I'd yeah. get a buzz off the time I was like wow I That's, believed it so much tonight yeah. that it was affecting me physically and mentally so yeah. yeah it can be an exciting thing to to go to that place particularly if you're feeling it in rehearsal yeah. if you're feeling it in rehearsal chances are that'll be magnified in, in, yeah. in front of a room yeah, I mean, it's such a thing, like, hearing you talk about your own experience yeah. is very, you know, it, it opens up a conversation about that yeah. for various artists. Like, the first time that I sang yeah. in my life was when I was about seven years old, and it was to myself, yeah. <laughs> uh, walking home from school. And it felt really nice, but I didn't know what it was. I was just like, oh, that's nice. So I thought well, it must be not allowed or something. Or I felt very shy to share that because yeah. you f- 
I realised later that I just felt like I was exposing myself in yeah. some way by singing. Yeah. So then you you add in writing, you know, making something up, creating something from your from yourself. Yeah. And it's a whole other way of exposing yourself. So yeah. then you consider that that's like now our job. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to expose yourself on demand. Yeah. Um, sounds like I'm talking about a different type of job. I'm talking about singing. <laughs> All perfectly valid jobs of valid music. But, but yeah, you, you it's a really. Because right, it is, it's tonight you need to do this your, at this time. Yeah, it's like you're naked, basically. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. Quite a phenomenal and, thing. I mean, I'm glad you've kind of gone back to childhood a bit there because I want to go all around the houses here because this really does feel like an album that you've it 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 feels really poignantly a point in your life yeah. it feels like you're at a point where you really are taking control and having conscious n- knowledge of who you are and who you yes. are as a woman who you are as a performer mm-hmm. and all these things so Going all the way back to when you're seven and you're singing and you're kind of, what was that? What just happened? How was that? What kind of, you grew up in, in South London, right? Yes. Um, so not particularly traditional areas for the arts or for embracing things outside of get a proper job, go to work, earn oh, your money. Absolutely. Um, I mean, in reality, like my, all my family is at South London and it's weird because singing is the one part of it that, might might be that out particularly in in the in the black community in South London. When my dad was was growing up, he was saying his dad worked at a factory, and they would always go to the Christmas parties and all different parties of the the black people who worked there because it would be a party and there would be singing and there would be yeah. exposure to different cultures and exciting new things. So, yeah. what was the the balance and mix of that? I guess in your upbringing, yeah, yeah I just feel like I've got such a I mean, I feel like everyone's got some kind of unusual upbringing in some way. Yeah. And a sort of, what's the word? Unconventional. Yeah. Everyone yeah, yeah, has yeah, yeah. an unconventional family, I think. Yeah. And they've, I they've all got agree. stories to tell. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have different emotions. But I remember being, because I have no brothers and sisters, and I was raised by my grandparents. Right. My Jamaican grandparents from my mum's side. When I say Jamaican, I just mean my mum's side. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it was just me, basically. Right. So I had, you know, I wanted siblings, but I also knew that I didn't have them. So I grew up just knowing that that was my reality. Yeah. So, yeah, at the time, I found this thing, you know, I found singing and I found art and drawing and all of these things. I just found that they made me really happy and relaxed and I could just do them whenever I wanted and it was yeah. like my way of you know some people play with you know toys yeah. <laughs> I would just kind of I also had toys yeah but I would play with my you know my keyboard or you know I'd paint stuff or sew stuff so it's I don't know it's just a way to kind of calm me down and make me not feel as alone I suppose. Uh, I love that because there are things that you don't need other people to be doing, particularly in those formative moments and formats. So it feels like potentially if you'd had siblings or whatever else, you yeah. might not have found yourself in those places, exactly. going that deep and, and l- losing yourself and 
almost finding a different reality outside of of of, of whether it be Streatham or Croydon or, or wherever else in you know those areas. Yeah, it must have been nice to have that as a particularly at that early age to be exposed to the ability to take yourself wherever you want to go. Yes, if you're on your own and with you, yeah. if you're with others, you kind of can't. Yeah, if you've got somebody on the same wavelength, then maybe you can escape to, to that place. But in yeah. general, if there's someone else there to ground you. Yeah. Then it can it can restrict that. Yeah. Exactly. So was that embraced by your family and supported? Like, did your grandparents kind of p- push you to make music or art or be creative? Or no, no. <laughs> not at all. they were just you know they were a lot older obviously than yeah. my mum. Yeah. So they were just kind of making sure I was all right, just looking after me. It wasn't really about that for them, yeah. and also for me, it was very much a secret. Like I was really, really right. shy and I never sang in front of anybody properly until yeah. I was 13. Wow. So yeah, I just do it. And if my grand, I sometimes would be singing like really loud thinking no one can hear me. And then I'd hear like my granddad come up the stairs or something. And then I'd just be so frightened that he yeah. heard me. And then I'd just stop and pretend that I wasn't doing anything kind of thing. So yeah, for me, it was really like, nerve-wracking thing yeah i can imagine Um, but then eventually i mean it wasn't until i got to secondary school that i you know obviously when you're a teenager you start to learn more about yourself and what you're into and i was just definitely into music like it was clear that i really really liked it and i didn't didn't know you could even learn about it and you know music you could write music in a different language that was just for music and you know, you could record stuff, and so I ended up getting pretty good grades in music, GCSE. Yeah. But I guess because there wasn't that kind of family encouragement to to push me to do music, I, I you know, I didn't know that you could go to school for it. I didn't yeah. know you could go and do performing arts or anything like that. So I was very much thinking, oh, you know, music's just a hobby, and I'm going to probably be probably have a, a job yeah. <laughs> like a real job yeah of course. Uh, and I wanted to be a teacher I thought teaching's cool you know and and then I thought art because I just wanted to be creative in some mm. way and I loved art as well and I thought maybe I could teach art because it's a kind of interesting thing to teach I don't think you can teach art I think you can nurture yeah. someone's talent that they've already got so I wondered if I could maybe do that but then my life just took a different turn and I was lucky enough to find a kind of little pocket of young musicians yeah. uh, who wanted to be my friend Yeah, and they all played and sang and they had all gone to performing arts schools Yeah, um, and they knew how to record music and just jam with each other and I just was obsessed with that world and that's when I started learning guitar about the age of 18 yeah. so I'd done the traditional sixth form and all of that a levels and then it wasn't until after that that i was like i really would like to write music i'd love yeah. to just sing the stuff that i write and yeah. maybe be in a band or you know um, such an exciting or and as as you said a, a kind of unconventional route to mm. have taken the fact it was this this hidden passion mm-hmm. and then when it starts to be brought out of you it was academically yeah. That's so unusual for anything yeah. in the arts. It was the fact that you were at school going, 
oh, I can do music yeah. here and I can do art here, rather than it's this thing at home and at school you're learning English and maths and all these boring yeah. things. That's the place that kind of spawned the creativity and then mm-hmm. meeting a new group of people who are like, oh, no, you can do anything. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the first place I saw you was with Paloma Faith. That was literally and- like a year after... Wow. What I'm describing is when um, I met Paloma. And what a perfect person to meet, because I, I don't know. think anyone has ever even implied to Paloma that she can't do exactly what she wants to there do in go. any way, shape like, or you form. You cannot argue yeah. with, with her, yeah. with her whole intent and her, like, just absolute determination and drive and just, she's yeah. such a wonderful person. I completely agree, and I think it's it's easy for people who know of Paloma now mm-hmm. to see this huge, big thing, but when you were performing with her and when I was performing with her, she was that big in a 200 cap venue exactly. in East London and, and having a dress that tears apart and exactly. has different layers made of paper yes. and all this kind or of thing. Or like white uh, tights with blood bags at the, at the top of her thighs yeah. or just yeah. anything, a giant lipstick just yeah. to sit on the stage. Yeah, if there was ever anyone that was like, well, she has to succeed. She, yeah. She's too big for pubs and clubs yeah. and that kind of thing. So was that an Even important... for mere mortals, she's yeah. too big. Was that an important person in your life then to meet at that point, to have that kind of, oh, wow, there's kind of no limits other than the limits I put on myself, you know, ambition-wise, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I think meeting her or working with her as well and just mm. being around her just made me really want to do it more. Yeah. I was like, that's amazing. She can do it. Then I want to do it, yeah. you know? And it was, we're obviously quite different, you know, kind of creative wise, but it's still the same stuff. You're still laying yourself bare in some yeah. way and expressing yourself for your career. Yeah. And I just was so inspired by her that, yeah. And, and of course, the people around her, um, yeah. they're all amazing musicians as well that I met that are still my friends today. Yeah. So. And, and the excitement to just be involved seemed to be key in, in that whole scene. Um, yeah. I was saying to, to Tom, who, who lined all this up, up beforehand, I remember seeing you singing with Paloma at some point. Yeah. And you standing out. And I was saying... Did I stand out? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. That, really? That, that means a lot because oh my for anyone to be on stage with Paloma and you even realise anyone else is on stage or anyone else is in yeah. the room, yeah. it means a lot. So it, it was, you know, it, it, it felt like an exciting thing. I was like, right, there's, there's something there. But wow. again, it's, it's a beautiful thing because I think I've known a lot of s- singers and musicians and all sorts of different people along the way who have always been, well, no, I'm, I'm the front person, no matter how big. <laughs> They don't want to support people. They don't want to be a backing singer and things like that. Whereas the people I've seen that have had the most success are the ones who are like, yeah, let's, let's do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump up for a bit. I'll, I'll, even if it's for one gig, I'll be on drums or I'll do this or whatever else rather than, well, you know, I'm a front person. So so it wouldn't be a good look to be doing the backing vocals and this. I can't really. Yeah. (laughs) So, so was that key to you? Just the excitement to just get involved, just to be doing this stuff, regardless of whether you're, um, an opening act or a backing singer or a headliner or whatever else. Yeah. Just I, to get up there and do it. Well, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> it was yeah. just really, really fun. I loved all the people. Like I said, I loved her band. I loved her and I loved that she would dress me up and, you know, because I never knew like 
I never saw my waist before I wow. met like Wow, yeah. And she suddenly she all her stuff like weirdly was the same. It fit me and stuff. I was just like, Cool, okay. Felt like a woman, you know, felt like I could be glamorous. Yeah. So it was just fun. It was really exciting. I mean, I loved being a backing singer. Yeah. I still want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if Stevie Wonder wanted a new backing singer, yeah. I'd happily yeah. go on the road with him. Oh, I always remember <laughs> seeing Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine yeah. join Bruce Springsteen's band and, oh, wow. and, and tour with them. And he toured with them for several years. And it, that was always the peak example for me because Tom Morello is someone who as a guitarist is seen as one of the pioneers, yeah. all this kind of thing. But it's fucking Springsteen. Yeah. And the fact that he went, what, I can be your guitarist. Yeah. And he w- it wasn't like, here's the Tom Morello section of the gig. It's like, no, yeah. he's just part of the E Street he's band. A musician. He gets to be part of this. It's about mutual respect of yeah. each other's abilities and each other's personalities. So yeah. it's like, that's, you know, if you just really love the artist, like I'd yeah. happily play tambourine for someone or just whatever. If I really love their yeah. thing that they do. It feels as if you quite early on were quite l- lucky to have some kind of m- mentors or inspiration in, in that way, whether it be performing with Paloma or supporting um, Alicia Keys mm. or Boniva, all these amazing acts. Yeah. How was that to be exposed to those people to go and to have to kind of adapt yourself, I'm sure? Because, yeah. again, the different size of venues and different kinds of crowds, yeah. you probably have to adapt a fair bit. But how was that to kind of be on bills with these people and go, oh, wow, I could be doing things in that way or I could be doing mm. things in that way. There's so much I could do. Yeah, I guess I was really just re- very lucky because, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, I believe that I have something to offer, you know, musically, but it is really so much to do with timing and, you know, just having the right intention and, you know, just believing in your gut and your own talent and working hard obviously but um all of that stuff yeah I was just taking it each day as it came I was I don't know I'm still very surprised that those things happened and yet more strange things happen in my life that I can I'll never forget but it's yeah I didn't think about it like I was oh this is what I could do now it's just I was like wow people that I've heard of have heard of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was just really, like, grateful. I think also the key is an openness to just jump on these things, mm. t- to say yes and then figure it out. Yeah. And the example I often give is I was, I was doing a festival and the first person that I, that me and, and Dan Lasak supported was Mark Ronson. And we, it was his first tour and it was great. Mm. And then we're doing a festival a year or so later and Mark was headlining it. Yeah. And we're waiting for him to go on. And as he walks past, he spotted me and goes, Pip, do you want to do eight bars um, in the middle Amazing. of this song? And I was like, yeah. yeah, I was a bit drunk. I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And I literally had to walk away and find Dan Lasak and go, how much is eight bars? Because I, I don't yeah. work, I've never worked in the musical kind of frame. So, Same. But that I was just it. just learned the other day he, what bars are. Literally, Dan <laughs> said to me, start whatever you're going to do. And then I did it. And he's like, and stop there. So I, I literally, I knew where to begin and where to end. Yeah. And I got to go out on this main stage with thousands of people with, with Mark because it was wow. that kind of, yeah, all right. What we'll, festival was we'll it? We'll figure out. It was a festival called Zoo 1008. And it was Amazing. a festival in a zoo. <laughs> Genuinely, it it's kind of goes down in history as one of the worst festivals ever because there was oh. all sorts of problems that people, uh, people started to fa- find out that no one was going to get paid. 
Right. So loads of acts cancelled. Right. Um, we were on early, Sounds so we'd already played. for some reason. Yeah, it was, it was a really mad and messy one but I had a wonderful day I got a tour of the zoo as well because if, <laughs> if you were one of the artists you got to go around like the safari park like, while it was closed where was it animals. geographically um, I think it was like Kent kind of way it was definitely in the in the south There's it might have been further along yeah wow uh, yeah I can't, again <laughs> I, I, it's blurry memories but um, yeah yeah it's one of those those moments well I mean moving on we can't Obviously, we can't talk about mentors, and you probably can't do an interview with, without, without being talk, asking about Prince. Yes, but I—it's okay, by the way. I mean, it's all right. Don't I'm glad it is because I—I I think Prince is the greatest artist of all time. So there's no way we wouldn't have been having this conversation because I, I just—I think he's just. When we used to tour, every tour I'd insist on doing a Prince cover because yeah. I just like—he's just amazing. How did that kind of? come about and how did he end up playing a gig in your living room for example there's (laughs) again it's mad i've heard you talk about it in other places but still i'm like on the off chance anyone hasn't can you kind of explain yeah of of course um again it was very just strange at the time um still strange now Mm. but we i had just released my first ep in 2011 yeah and been on jules holland and that and um, it, it was probably just a couple of months after that, I was doing a residency at The Social. Right. And one day before one of the shows, my manager at the time said, I've just been on the phone to Prince's manager. <laughs> and okay. I remember thinking that that was very surreal. Yeah. Just talking to Prince's manager yeah. was like, that was the strange part. But... um there yeah so it transpired that he wanted to have a phone call with me and I was like okay cool (laughs) and then some weeks passed and nothing happened and I was I kind of thought it had gone away and that like magical thing was just a nice memory and then just all of a sudden I feel like it was a Saturday can't remember though but it was a weekend got a call from a manager he's like right Prince is going to call you today and I was like oh my god what do I do? He's like, okay, just have your phone with you. He's got your number. Let me know how it goes. Mad. <laughs> and <laughs> the pressure. Of yeah. That. All right. So okay. I, I stupidly left my phone in my house and oh, wow. went out to the pub. <laughs> um, I was with my boyfriend, luckily, who had his phone. Yeah. And my manager was like calling and calling, like, what is going on? Where's Leanne? And then I explained what happened and then we gave Prince my boyfriend's number. (laughs) And then he called and it was withheld. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was him. Yeah. And I took the phone and the battery was low and I was just like, oh my God, what's happening? So I went outside and spoke to him and I just said, I hope hope you don't mind. I just need to check who this is. (laughs) And he was like, I think you know who this is. So it was definitely him. (laughs) And then... We spoke for a few minutes just about music. It was like he was just curious about me and uh, wanted to know. He knew my songs already, so he wanted to know what the song Age was about. Wow. Um, He made jokes about if it was about him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he asked me what kind of music I like and do I like Joni Mitchell? And I was like, hell yeah, she's my favourite. And then I felt the 
the phone kind of about to die. And I was like, oh, it's about to die. And he was like, that's okay. It's been lovely talking to you. And then it sort of just died. And then, miraculously, a genuine friendship formed in the months and years after that. So that was the first ever time I spoke to him. But I saw him multiple times over the years. And um, we spent a lot of amazing times together basically it was it always felt like a special occasion when he was around yeah, and he course. he made me feel very you know very loved and very encouraged and i always just say it felt like my birthday yeah when he was around yeah so yeah he's got that that presence i only i only caught him live once and it didn't feel like watching a person perform live like there was a presence that was and again i've seen so many amazing acts but it was the first one i saw that as he stepped on stage you were kind of like yeah oh wow yeah um you got to perform on art official age which i think is his most underrated album i adore that it's in my top five maybe in my top two or three prince albums i think you know as a song is one of my favorite of any prince songs ever how was that to kind of to be part of because my feeling at the time was was when it came out was if this was released by frank ocean or someone modern this would be the biggest album ever i thought so many of the songs felt now but also felt prince it didn't feel like he was trying to be his you know your hip uncle his i'm making the cool new music it felt so real but so modern how was that to be part of and what was the process i guess it was very uh, sudden yeah. <laughs> I was sort of flown out to Paisley Park I had some time where I could go there mm-hmm. it was just basically we were hanging out a lot you know just doing stuff and he was having a listening party of uh, Third Eye Girl mm-hmm. so I was just kind of invited to that and we were all hanging out together and it was a lovely vibe and then yeah one night he just played me the song Clouds and he's like will you sing on this? And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. So I just, I found myself suddenly recording it and Amazing. yeah, sort of had to learn it there on the spot. And it was totally fine though. It just t- felt totally like something I wanted to do. Felt natural. Didn't feel like imprisoned or anything. Yeah. Um, so it was really good. And then the affirmations part is my voice. And I remember yeah. him always commenting on my, my accent and my speaking voice and stuff so he was like i've got a character for you i want you to be like you know like a friendly nurse slash secretary amazing <laughs> um and then he just got me to read these things and then yeah i never i didn't hear it until the album came out yeah so, yeah how was it to funny. hear when the album actually came out because when you're working on your own stuff, as we've discussed, you're there at every stage, you're there at mm. every development, every tweak and every turn. Mm-hmm. To have something that almost seems like it happened in passing, yeah. like you happen to be around, oh, let's do this, yeah. and then have to wait and then hear the finish. I kind product. of prefer it that way, because if yeah. I'm doing something for another artist's project, mm-hmm. it's not really, it's not about me, yeah. you know, it's not about what I want, it's, it's, it's how they are hearing their idea. Yeah. So I was totally fine to 
just hear it later. And I, I trusted him as well. Like, he's Prince. <laughs> exactly. He's Prince. It's what I love about doing acting now. Is yeah. You feel like you're just part of someone else's yeah. project. You get to go and do your bit to the best of your ability and then go, yeah. all right, cool. I'll yeah. see how that turns out. Whereas exactly. particularly in your early days of independent music and things like that, you're in charge of everything, all, yeah. any promo, any everything. You're mm-hmm. there for every step of the way. So I can completely see how it's like, well, it's Prince. He probably knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> he probably knows how to, to deal with this. Absolutely. Um, so obviously he, his, his passing was a huge loss yeah. to the world in general, but to those close to him. How was your kind of, not reaction to that, but did you find yourself motivated to do everything you can artistically to push yourself? Or did you find kind of you're hitting a wall? What was mm. your kind of feeling in that time as as a performer and as a as a singer I guess do you mean after his passing yeah mm. yeah I mean I you know it it obviously does make you realize the fragility of life yeah and um in in that respect doing music and doing what we do it becomes you know you realize that it will be around after you're gone yeah so it's it sort of puts a new importance on it for you, for you or for me. It right, did, yeah, you know. Sure, I was sense. like, well, I've got a chance to leave something behind. My yeah. contribution to the planet, which will it'll be there forever. Yeah. If you've if you've got it out of yourself, then it will be yeah. there forever. Which is exactly what I think Prince achieved, which is just legendary status yeah. and left behind a massive legacy. Yeah. Um, but I feel. Yeah, like regarding what I, my determination, yeah, I was absolutely more determined to like learn more guitar, play really well, kind mm. of make him proud. Yeah. So, I, and there I kind of, I don't know, maybe a bit, maybe a touch selfishly, I really wish I could have played him the yeah. the demos of this album and yeah. so he could have seen my progress i feel like he would have been happy with it yeah you know or happy for me to be taking this direction finally playing with my own band and stuff he really inspired just the importance of having an amazing band who understand your vision yeah i love that It's, it's really important i think to find those things to give you that motivation to strive and to achieve and to keep improving and that pride it's, it sounds kind of hippie-ish but that pride will be there every night when you're playing it you mm. will know how much it would have how much influence has been there and pushed you to yeah. to have this band and to make it a bigger thing or to just make it what i wanted he yeah. always just said do what you want to do yeah make sure that you know he's he just was always very much believing in me and you know he would see if i was getting down or being influenced by something and he would just be like it's okay you're doing what you're meant to be doing so it's yeah. fine i love it so i mean we've talked a lot about mentors and people who inspire you to push forward um i want to kind of talk a little bit about those that hold you back and specifically josh weller no i'm kidding he's <laughs> he's, he's a mutual friend and <laughs> josh is a mutual friend and he's been, been oh, saying that we should talk for brilliant. a while but oh. he's wonderful hi isn't he? josh he's good fun love isn't you he? no he's, he doesn't really he's hold anyone back yeah. he's another one again that i tell him all the time but <laughs> the fact is 
anything I hear he's doing, I just think, yeah, that he can do that. Like, exactly. like when he moved into comedy, it was a real. It wasn't a oh, jo- oh Josh has gone to comedy. It was I've like, been saying that to everyone's been that. saying that to him for years. Yeah. We're like, Josh, you're so funny. Yeah, you should do that. And he's he's killing it. And he is so funny. And he just seems so much more happy yeah. and confident and comfortable. That's what I think is important about the way the world is now. Is we can transition and change our jobs our roles because Mm -hmm. we do have these platforms of social media for better or worse which i do think in general they're worse than they are good but we need to try and make the most out of the good (laughs) to at least justify the worst a little bit but i think because of things like that people can just pick and change and go right i was doing music i'm not now here's what i'm doing now here's what i'm excited about here's my passion it's yeah i like that as well it's also like not the same, but similar with Rihanna and Fenty. Yeah. Beauty yeah. and the Fenty clothing. She's able to express herself in just another way. And yeah. you can you can do that. You can be an artist in many forms. And it's it's actually quite uh, a, a scary but exciting time to be in the arts, I it's, think. There's so many exciting examples. Drake producing Top Boy. Yeah, and things like that. It's I like there's, there's so many things. That I, I, and little Sims yeah, acting, acting in co- it. completely it's like perfect. I, I had a meeting about a script I'd written recently, and they were saying, "Well, what we need to find is what rapper or person we're going to get, rather than going, oh, what production company or what this or Netflix or whatever else is yeah. like. Who do we want that would get the vision? There you go. And it's so it's mad that that's all that's all yeah. opened up. So, so how do you you feel about social media? Obviously, you are another one that 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 came up in the MySpace days. I remember I kind of you and Kate the, Nash the and, end, and yeah. Adele and all these kind of, mm. and it was this exciting thing with so much hope and positivity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's m- m- morphed into something quite different. Yeah. How do you find your relationship with social media from a, a promotion point of view and from a personal as you in your day-to-day life? Mm. It's an interesting one. Um, I feel fine about it generally, mm-hmm. but I do find myself, you know, taking a step back from it sometimes and mm-hmm. just, you know, if, if you're gen, cause people go through a lot of ups and downs and if you're not feeling, I find if I'm not feeling very happy that day or something, it will influence the way I see the world and yeah. the way I see things. So if I'm unhappy looking at social media, I'm going to just feel a bit more negative yeah. towards it. But when, when I'm feeling good, I find that I'm feeling really positive towards everything. So yeah. I'm liking everything. I'm putting hearts on everybody's yeah. pictures and I'm posting more. And It can really magnify a mood, yeah, can't exactly. it, for better or worse. Exactly. And then when you add the whole using it as a promotional tool, yeah. that's where I have a conflict because I actually prefer to do it very much like when I'm actually feeling to do it yeah which can take months between posts or you know but at the moment i'm you know there's obviously something for me to express there's something coming out and so i'm conflicted i'm like well i do want to tell everyone about it but i want to feel good telling everyone about it i don't want to feel like i'm being told to tell everyone about it that's that's exact that's completely the key and i think that what the advice i always give is if this was your first ever record Mm -hmm. How excited would you be to tell everyone about it? So You'd be posting 10 excited. times a day. Again, exactly. but, but once you've been in the industry a bit, you start thinking, well, I've already posted about it 
this week. Maybe I shouldn't do too many more. And I like, yeah, you start I think, to overthink. I think if you genuinely just approach it with, fuck, I've been working on this for five years. I'm so fucking excited for you to all hear I this. Like doing it Here's now. my first single. Here's my <laughs> next single. Here's what's coming next. Yeah. You, I think you can post as much as you want. And yeah. if anyone's pissed off at that, fuck them. Kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's free. You're getting yeah. it. It's a feed. It's not something. The music is the bit that you're actually yeah invested in so yeah it's so as well, it, it causes you to overanalyze as well like Massively. it's because it's very visual isn't it and yeah. it's very to do with a persona that you can create for yourself mm-hmm. you know what you want people to see which is so different to how things were a few years ago or rather you know it's just expanded instagram yeah. has become a monster you know it's yeah. it's really crazy so i feel like yeah, just as long as I can just feel okay and just be myself, which mm. is actually a lot harder to do than, yeah. than we make it sound, um, then it's it's fine. And just not to be, just to remember that that isn't the most important thing. Yeah. You know, like Instagram is not the be all and end all. Social media is not the be all and end all. You yeah. can have a really fulfilling life without ever telling anyone about it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so. It's such an important message i think as well because people have different relationships with social media Mm -hmm. and that's fine like people i know people who will get annoyed because certain people haven't liked their post or whatever else and obviously they're like who cares what like they're not yeah they might not following them or something i'm not in that i'm not in in that way (laughs) yeah it's really odd so i mean we talked i'll start to uh, to wrap things up at some point soon Uh, (laughs) but it's nice and easy to talk so let's just it is nice to talk um Hello, world. We, or, 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 or the world is, is what I'm going to get onto here, because we, we spoke about taking some time to live whilst yes. creating a record and whilst finding out what you want to talk about. You've spent a lot of time not just in South London in, in, in recent years. You've that spent time correct. in America and, yes. and, and around. How do you think that's influenced you as a writer and as an artist? Do, do you feel it kind of changes your outlook or changes what you want to write or how you want to write if anything because the the people I was hanging around I found it very inspiring in many ways because um I've got a few friends in Los Angeles and the way they seem to work or at least my friends it's very high output just constantly like is there a studio I'm coming down Mm. whatever time of the day like whoever's there could be eight people in there could be one person in there could be just it's just about following your instinct with it so if anything i've taken that on and i'm like i feel like writing today i'm gonna you know see who's about what friend i want to you know come and be all over their shit you know like or who i can harass (laughs) or uh you know how it's just about always honoring that part of yourself when you feel it, when you feel to be creative. Yeah. And it's, I mean, LA is a very good place to do that. It's very easy to do that there. Yeah. I think it's getting easier to do it here too. Um, but yeah, I notice that about myself has changed. Yeah, definitely want to like do stuff more spontaneously and I don't have to like book studio time months in advance anymore. I just yeah. can just, you know, I could just do it myself or, ring up a friend who's down the road in Peckham or, yeah. you know, so it's, it's quite, it's been quite eye opening that way. Um, 
I love that. Uh, you, so, your, yeah. your story about how, how clouds came about kind yeah. of echoes that. that it's just, yeah. it was this moment. My favourite ever album is the, the album that Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane did together. It's yeah. just called Johnny Hartman and John Coltrane. I think it's perfect. Yeah. And I was kind of heartbroken after lo- loving it for years to find out that they just had a spare day in the studio and went in and recorded it. And it kind of killed me yeah. a little bit because of yeah. how much time I've always spent slaving over everything b- before yeah. we're even ready to look at a studio. Yeah. And But it's also, after I got over that heartbreak, it's inspirational because you hear of things then like yeah. clouds and like, again, that, that kind of more American attitude of, yeah. let's just go and do it. If it's, if it's yeah. shit, then we, we won't do anything well, with that's it. That's the but thing. Let's go, and, let's go and do it. It's not being so attached so early on to it it's just getting it out of yourself initially then you can spend all the time you want like perfecting it because that's also not wrong what i realized as well is your process is just your process so Mm. that's how you feel the best when you're hearing yourself back and how you feel the best when you are about to share it then that's fine like some people don't want to do all the other stuff and just get it out and it's perfect on the day and that's fine too yeah, it's kind of a special, unexplainable thing, you know, being creative and, you know, expressing your emotions through art and all yeah. of that. So I definitely realise it's more so to today now than maybe 10 years ago, but it's a part of who I am. Yeah. And it's just one thing that I do. And it's amazing and an amazing privilege that you can do it whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So um, you, we spoke at the start about how this feels like a complete record. Mm. With that in mind, how have you approached the topic of singles? Yes. The first single is Bittersweet. I think there's very much, there's a lot of variation in approach, whether the single is the most commercially viable or wherever it's the best representation of what we're about to present you with i think it's of, that yeah i, I think, think it's the latter I'm, I'm glad to hear that because i almost I started that really... by saying i think the better way is going here's the best representation because yeah well it sets up the story yeah. so you, you it's good to go look i'm back here's here's the kind of vibe of what's to come rather mm-hmm. than here's the one song on the record that feels like it'll get airplay yeah. therefore you'll then get the record and it's nothing like do you know what i mean it's I, more introduction- I also don't like that you yeah. know when you've got one song that's Different from everything that else, you so. like more yeah. or something, and then you're kind of disappointed by the rest of the album. Yeah, but I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of felt like that one, and it and it also opens the album. Yeah. So chronologically, it works, and also it's the I see it as kind of the prologue. Yeah. To the rest of the album, what it's what's in store for you, subject wise, you know. Because um, it's kind of an overview of the whole of the whole experience that I had. So for me, it seemed the perfect beginning thing. Yeah, and I get to sing really high on it. So yeah. I hope you all enjoy that. I love it. I love it <laughs> because again, that's that's the approach of the artist rather than of anyone doing a business kind of minded thing. I always the first time I did a solo record on my own label, mm. the first single was the first song on the record because exactly that is like well. That's why it's the first song on the record. Yeah, exactly. It feels right as the first thing you hear. So, you know, a label might then be like, we're not going to have to release them all in all, like this is, (laughs) we have to release this whole album in order. It's like, well, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, um, yeah, Yeah. it makes sense that if that's how you saw it in the whole piece, it'd be Mm. bizarre to now pick 
a track bit like a seven. Yeah. Yeah. And go, oh, there you go. That works. I'm the- also, I've been quite lucky. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but the actual order of the singles does happen to be chronological as yeah. well in, or, in order of the album. So yeah. I'm quite pleased um, that it's going to be, you know, just feels right. Yeah. Feels in the right order, right shape. It, it makes sense because, as I said, it feels like an album that builds and has its, it has a chron a chronology to it so mm. with that in mind what's your plan for live because i want to do it like that a new record but there's obviously old songs as well yeah have, have you kind of figured where you're going to place them or if you're going to mm. bunch things together what's kind of your thinking i want to when it comes to the new album yeah. i want it to i want that to be the through line and stay in the same order yeah and then I thought I could just mix in a few moments from yeah. my previous records um, because I'm, I want to make the show an experience yeah. of, uh, you know, showing my vulnerability mm. and telling you my story without having to actually talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, I'm, I'm seeing it in my mind's eye now in that kind of order and taking you through... The many facets yeah. of my psyche. I love that. <laughs> I love it as well because I, I like the kind of approach of, well, here's the record. Now, if this old song was on this record, mm-hmm. where would it go? Exactly. And then going through with everything like that. So, mm-hmm. as you say, you're kind of you're keeping that same. You're staying true to that flow and feeling of the of the growth of the record as it goes, but. You, you get to bring everything else in. It doesn't have yeah. to be a, I'm doing the album from start to finish in order. Yeah. I mean, like one of them shows, which are exciting, yeah. but sometimes you want to hear other songs as well. So. Well, yeah, I consider that too, because I play shows now where it's, you know, no one's heard the new stuff, so yeah. they don't really care yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so excited I, about yeah, it. I'm yeah. buzzing for you no to hear this. They're like, I want to hear the one I know. Well, exactly. That's okay. I'm so out. I'd like, and, and I also, because I haven't played. Uh, in a long time, you know everything yeah. at once. So I'm excited to to play that other stuff that got me in that headspace back mm. then, and then the new stuff, and just to express all the emotions. Yeah, you, so, I mean, you mentioned seeing it as a as a show, as a piece. Is that exciting? Because again, as we touched upon, you've supported some amazing people over the years, but a support gig is very different to a headline gig. You do have to kind of take different things into consideration, different approaches, Mm -hmm. whereas your own show, they're there for you. You can take more control over the whole experience. Yes, Um, I love that. So how exciting is that to to be returning to that, to go in here's As as my world, yeah. Yeah. That's what I... I'm very excited about inviting you all into mm. my world again, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, when you're doing a support slot, you're kind of, I'm always trying to just get people to know me really quickly. Yeah. You know, like what's the, what's the best set of songs that you could all get to know me in and possibly like me yeah. for. But with this, it's kind of more of a, more of a journey it's like it's more revealing because they already kind of know if you're buying a ticket to see me you already know what you want to see so it's exciting to be able to be creative in another way 
by constructing a show, you yeah. know, to um, reveal other areas of your personality on a more one-to-one basis. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and what's the thoughts band-wise? Yeah. Do you know what you're doing? Do you know how big you're going or how small you're going? I, with my band, yeah. the pe- the people, the yeah, personnel. Yeah, 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 the, the <laughs> um, line-up. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be smaller than last time. Yeah. I've got lovely drummer, lovely keyboard player, lovely bass player, and a lovely backing vocalist slash percussionist, mm-hmm. and myself on guitar. That's it. That's it, that's exciting. Yeah. And, <laughs> is, is it exciting to kind of, put older songs or and and the new stuff i guess th- through the filter of a new a new lineup yeah. a new a new setup because it's not going to be the same as you've played it no. at this time or at that time so yeah. i guess it brings a new energy to stuff you might you know have played a lot over the years well yeah i went pretty back to basics because mm. after the last album cycle you know i was i was also i was supporting lots of amazing artists at the time as well at the end of the last campaign. And there were a lot of things that had to be consistent for the show. Like we had click and we had some track yeah, and yeah, yeah. I wasn't really feeling it. Right. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, I was, I was getting really put off by all of that. It just doesn't fit. Cause if you're not feeling that tempo on the day, I don't want to play it at that tempo. It becomes a routine rather than a performance, yes, right? Cause you're exactly. having to fit into the routine. Here's yes. the routine we're doing. You're, Let's yeah, do it. You're and under go. the, control of something else yeah. so i really like that i can start a song now whatever speed i want yeah. and it feels right because we're all together on it yeah. so that's the kind of approach it's kind of a very traditional approach which i'm surprised that you know i'm not surprised but i had to do all of that to realize i wanted to do it this way yeah um yeah. i just feel happier i sing differently even with that. this kind of freedom yeah, that I didn't have before. That so. makes perfect sense. Well, I'll, I'll I'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And I look forward to seeing the 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 performances and all the excitement that is to come. I'm I'm can't wait. Excellent. Well, thank you very <laughs> thank much. Thank you for having me. Cheers. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Leanne LaHavis. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I'm going to keep this outro brief. I'm going to go through bullet points of what I said in the intro. One, get out on your daily walk. Keep your body and mind healthy in this period. If you can, listen to a podcast in that period. Bullet point number two, the... Don't skip the adverts. So podcasters who are suffering from a downfall of listens in this period will hopefully have a a boom in people actually listening to their adverts and therefore getting paid for it. Um, It's something that you can do to help that doesn't cost you anything. And that's great in in this time. Bullet point three, new Pod Bible magazine out on Sunday. Read it online or get it in the Sunday Times. And finally, bullet point four, Mum and Mama Pod out now. Yeah, that's everything. Next week or the week after, this is a bit of a secret. That's why I'm putting it right at the end because I know that people often will get to the end of the interview and stop listening. But 
we are recording, hopefully, we're going to try over either Zoom or House Party app or whatever, we're going to do a social distancing drunk cast. Chris and Stu are going to be on it as with every drunk cast, but we're bringing back the return of Brett Goldstein and Ramesh Ranganathan. Um, and we're going to sit in our separate living rooms and get drunk over webcam and record it for your listening pleasure. We will see how that goes. I've also got a Tim Key episode in the bag, which is one of the best episodes I've recorded. So if Tim Key comes next week, then maybe the drunk cast didn't go too well. If he comes, if he, if it's the drunk cast next week, don't worry, t- Tim will be the week after. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, this has been episode 319 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. See you later. St- stay safe, self-isolate, st- stay home, clap for carers, all that good stuff. All right, bye.